lovely. It's Shauna Lee and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is... Do stem cells work? So a few weeks back, I did a sessions episode about my experience with receiving stem cell treatment and all from my perspective of what it was for me, like what my experience was, like all the details of that. Um, But I wanted to do a follow-up episode and invite the doctor that I saw who gave me the stem cell treatment on the show to give more of the scientific background on it and his experience, you know, with the treatment and kind of give like another angle of what this experience can be. And I want to say that like, you know, this is something that I felt called to. This is something I learned about a long time ago, even back like when my son was born. Um, And I felt really interested in it. But for a long time, like it just wasn't a big yes. You know, other things were going on in my life or I wasn't super focused on it. And at a certain point, I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of understanding it and like looking into it. And I got very interested in the aspect of regeneration. You know, we're moving into this time where we're learning how we can regenerate our body in so many different ways. And not just that, like how to move energy emotionally, how to shift our thoughts. Like all of this is shifting energy and really shifting frequency. And we're just starting to, I would say, on a more collective level, start to explore this or feel connected to it. Um, And I offer this information from a standpoint of like, if you're interested, great. If you're not, listen to that. Like we, you know, just because somebody else like had a good experience with something or felt interested in something does not mean that anybody else needs to, right? It's important to listen to our own intuition um, about everything and run it through our own filter. Because for instance, like some things we might learn about today that are, uh, I'm not interested right now and they're not for right now, but maybe 10 years down the line, you're like, oh, I remember learning about that. And now I'm like really interested in that. And I want to look into that. That would be listening to your own divine timing, your own, you know, heart and soul. And that's really, really important. So, so I think information is gold. And the more that we take in different types of information, the more we get a well-rounded view. Um, And so I'm excited to have, my doctor uh, who did my stem cell treatment join us today. Dr. Juan Manuel Garcia de Leon Buenfil um, is here with us today. He was born in Tijuana, Baja, California. He has more than 25 years of experience in the treatment of cancer, stem cells, NK cells, anti-aging, chronic disease, immune disorders, and ozone treatment. After working for more than 20 years with international patients, he has gained recognition in the medical community as a member member of the International Association of Stem Cell Transplantation since 2019. He has been a professor in medicine at Autonomous University of Baja, California since 2017. His thesis was on how stem cells impact inflammatory processes in the body, and he won the first place award. Dr. Garcia continues research on stem cells and inflammatory markers and expects 
a study of his work published in a medical journal within a year. He sees patients in his well-being therapy clinic in Tijuana, Mexico, and provides personalized one-on-one -on -one care. So patients fly into San Diego, um, they're escorted to a hotel in his nearby clinic. Um, they typically visit for a week where the patient is picked up daily, taken to the clinic for blood draws and IV therapy. Um, there's all kinds of treatments that are done. And so he really tailors things to what people need based on their specific blood work. Patients are given vitamin C, B-complex, uh, peptides, and glutathione to prepare the body to utilize the stem cells more effectively. So there's lots of stuff that's done prior to actually receiving the stem cells to make that whole thing more powerful. Um, the stem cells are administered and they are administered all over the body through IV. All stem cells are ethically sourced out of umbilical cords from full-term deliveries. Both mother and the blood of the umbilical cords are tested for viral infections, um, and they do all kinds of safety testing to make sure that those cells are potent. And after the patient receives the stem cells, they go into a hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and that just amplifies the health of the cells. So it's very, it's a very um, intricate process that goes on over a couple days, and it was it was fascinating, right? I really enjoyed it, and I'm happy to have Dr. Garcia um, here to answer questions and to talk about the process and pull back the veil on anything we wonder about stem cells. So, with no further ado, please welcome Dr. Garcia to the show. Okay, well, you know I'm excited, Dr. Garcia, to have you with us. Um, we have so many questions for you. Welcome to the show. No, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me, and thank you for coming. Uh, and I hope that all the the energy that you have had increases every day. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been incredible, and we'll definitely share part of my journey, too. Um, and part of my experience of just making the choice to do this, because I think you know, going to a different country and, you know, and going somewhere you haven't been before, just in general, like, right, is like just getting yeah. over a bit of a hurdle. Um, so before we dive into some of that, I want, um, we're going to talk about stem cells, we're going to talk about alternative sure. treatments. Um, and I want you to just take us back a little bit to like, why this area, you know, I mean, obviously, as a doctor, you can focus on lots of different things. But what uh -huh. for you had you choose more of the natural medicine stem cell approach? Uh, it's an interesting question. And it goes all the way back until when I was in med school. Because when I was in med school, I used to work at nights on the night shift as a nurse assistant. So the nurse, I used to work in a hospital that is called Oasis of Hope from Dr. Contreras, and uh, it has been there probably, he's a pioneer of alternative medicine here in Baja, probably since the 50s or 40s or 60s. And uh, so I worked there and I learned a lot of things from um, vitamin C, from the ozone, from uh, uh, the Gerson diet, from different uh, therapies that were available at the time. And uh, so, and I was able to compare uh, the alternative medicine with what I was learning in school. And I definitely liked the combination of uh, being able to offer to the patients 
what they want to follow, if they want to follow 100% conventional or 100% alternative or a combination of both. In my own experience, I've seen that when we make a combination of both treatments or both aspects of medicine, the results are a lot better. And uh, to give you an example, patients that have or had chemotherapy, when they have a low amount of white blood cells, red blood cells, I try to provide them all the nourishment that they require so that the body can synthesize more red blood cells and have our proper hemoglobin and transportation of oxygen. That's just an example. Then when I finished, so I worked there for as a nurse assistant for about three years. And then I, um, uh, when I finished med school, I worked in another hospital that is called Sanovi, that I think it's the largest probably holistic uh, center right now in the world. And I was there for seven years. And that's where I got the training from the functional, from the Institute of Functional Medicine in functional medicine. So the, the hospital, instead of sending us to have the lectures in a different place, they brought the doctors to the hospital and they gave us all the lecturing in there. And that's how I, I got um, introduced in more deeply. Why? Because the owner of the of the hospital, he's a scientist as well. So he develops certain kits for investigation of certain diseases. And he has also a very big supplement company. So everything that he was able to do in the laboratory with the supplements, it's what we were applying as treatment to our patients. So I have been in the field. I graduated in 1999, so it's what, 23 years, and all of them, most of them in, in alternative or complementary medicine or functional medicine. So great. So what, like, you know, I want, I want to focus a lot on stem cells and because I think that when something kind of new starts to catch on, right, and people start to learn about the idea of stem cells and regenerative medicine, mm -hmm. there's there's lots of different options. And that's what some of like our community was writing to me about after I shared that I yeah. came to see you is like the confusion of like, what are the different types of stem cell treatments and and what is helpful for what, you know, everybody has like something different, you know, a different reason, maybe a different ailment that they're dealing with that causes them to say, Hmm, maybe this could be something that helps for me. And I know here, you know, cause I'm obviously in the United States that certain stem cell treatments are not being done here in the U S that I know of, or, mm -hmm. or they're a little bit more, you know, um, constrained, I'm going to say here in the United States. And then in other countries, like, you know, just a lot more prevalent. So can you kind of give us some background on the different types of stem cell treatments and maybe why, you know, you know, not that you can postulate, but like what is available in the United States that you know of, and what's different about what you're able to do in Mexico and some of the other countries. The, I don't know much about the regulations in the United States. I know that there are certain uh, places where they do them. Uh, the, you know, one of the places that I knew was in New York. I don't have the, the information about it, but I can send it to you if you want. And uh, But I don't know what kind of restrictions they may have. Each country has different kinds of restrictions um, in medications, in intravenous things, in, in, in biological treatments uh, or stem cells. The stem cells that uh, we work with right now are from umbilical cord. I started working with stem cells in 2007. Um, with a doctor, she's an internist and immunologist. At the time, I was working in another uh, hospital, and I used to help her to get 
um, the stem cells from the bone marrow of the tibia bone on the leg. So I always helped her because we had to basically like drill the bone and get the bone marrow so we could separate the stem cells. But it was a more invasive procedure. We had the risk of having an infection. Fortunately, we never had it, but there's always a risk when you make a when you um, break the barriers like the skin that will protect us against infection. So with the technology that has been uh, changing or advancing so fast, I decided that uh, there should have been other ways of doing stem cells, helping patients without exposing them to the risk of puncturing a bone or getting them from the fatty tissue or from other structures. So I decided to do a, a master's in biomedical uh, science. And my thesis was about how stem cells will suppress inflammation and they can help us to rege regenerate tissues. So what we started doing that has it is being done in other places or around the world as well is from the umbilical cord we get uh, what we call the um um jellies wharton and that's where we get the stem cells from so we have to make it in little pieces then we have to separate them we have to centrifugate them we have to nourish them and we have to be cleaning them and and nourish them several times during the week so that's how i how i did the whole process uh when i did my thesis we were very lucky. I was never, I was very surprised because they gave us the first place in, in the investigation that we did because we were able to see how the patients that were getting the stem cells, we were, our controls were, we were doing blood work before and after and all the inflammatory markers were going down and the patients were feeling better. Some patients will not feel uh, a lot of uh, different uh, body that we were seeing still all the markers of inflammation going down. A lot of the times, if I if I'm in general healthy and if I get stem cells, I may not feel a lot of changes because I may not have a lot of inflammatory response. And when I have patients that are diabetic, that have diabetes, that have let's say Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, or autoimmune disease, they notice more changes because the cells are working, breaking down, or bringing down the inflammation and trying to repair those areas that have a, a damage already. So interesting. So. So they're taken from umbilical cord. Is there a difference in the quality, like when you're taking stem cells from bone marrow versus taking them, you know, because this is how I'm thinking about it, but I could be completely incorrect. If we're taking it out of like, let's say my bone marrow, and I've been alive for many decades versus taking the cells from new life, right? Umbilical cord. Uh, is it a different quality of stem cell? Totally. It's not the same uh, to get a stem cell from an umbilical cord from a newborn than getting, getting stem cells from me that I'm 50 years of age. Plus, we have to remember that the bone marrow is basically fat. So um, a lot of the pesticides that are in uh, that we're exposed to are liposoluble. So when they go through the skin, they can go and deposit in the bone marrow, and that can give us a lot of uh, cells that are not going to be 100% normal, and they're not going to regenerate as uh, a tissue or a cell that is basically brand new. So interesting. I would think that. And then what about for people that feel nervous about taking in cells from someone that's not them, right? Like, because ultimately we're using cells from another in another life. Like, what is, how does that work with our body? The We have on the membrane, imagine this, the cells like a grape and the skin of the grape, it's what we call the membrane. And that skin of the grape has proteins, what we call the major histocompatibility complex, which is the one that detects that the cells are mine. So if uh, if I get a cell for some, from somebody else that is already mature, my immune system, that part of the immune system will recognize it and will attack it. 
in this case, the, the stem cells, because they are precursors of a lot of other tissues, they don't have those proteins expressed on the membrane, and that's why we don't get a reaction. Uh, it's like if I get a blood transfusion from a, another blood type, or if I get a kidney from somebody else and we're not uh, matching donors, I will reject it. The same thing will happen if I give other kinds of cells. But the stem cell being a precursor, or that's why it is called stem cell, because it's a precursor of a lot of, of, a lot of the other tissues. It doesn't have those uh, proteins that will be expressed that will give us a bad reaction. So did those, so I know you were talking about when I was down visiting you, like that, that certain cells are specialized, right? Like, like a cell becomes like, oh, this is, you know, a liver cell, right? Or a kidney cell. Uh -huh. Like, so is the stem cell prior to it kind of going yes. into specialized areas? Yeah. The cells that can um, differentiate to all of the tissues are basically the um, cells that come from, from babies, but those are illegal. We can use the ones from umbilical cord, but the ones from babies are illegal and they're used basically for in laboratories for studies, but those are you are not gonna really find them anywhere. There's a lot of confusion uh, when we talk about stem cells and, and I'm, I will mention this because I've seen it with a lot of patients that come to me and you see a lot of advertisements on different places that will say, oh, we will give you stem cells, we will put you stem cells for this or for that. A lot of the times they don't give you uh, the stem cell, uh, the real stem cell. Sometimes they will give you a lipolyzed tissue from a stem cell, which means that has been exposed to a high temperature. So you're basically getting the proteins from the from the stem cell, but not a live stem cell. The ones that I apply to my patients, they come in a little vial. They come directly from the laboratory, which is very close to my office, because I, I like to unfreeze the cells here at the office because that will guarantee me that I'm providing the, the amount that I'm telling my patient that I will. Otherwise, if I give you um, a powder, it's not a live cell. I will give you all the nutrients. I will give you the proteins, but the cells will not do the same job. When a cell is, a, is alive, they have the capability of what we call homing. It's the capability of recognizing sites of inflammation, and they will go to the site of the inflammatory where there's inflammation, repair it, and try to regenerate the area. That's where we get less pain in patients with arthritis. That's where we get improve a lot of our joints. That's where we uh, can regulate better the glucose in diabetic patients because each cell will go to the site where it's required to do the job and start doing what, whatever it, it takes. Okay, so, and I want to relate this to, to my experience. So I know people feel different things, like some people feel a warm sensation uh -huh. when the cells are, you know, put in their body, which is through an IV. Uh -huh. For me, I felt this like incredible, like chest, like it's like taking the deepest breath you've ever taken, like this feeling of like, imagine, you know, having your lungs be like oxygenated times 50 and you're breathing in so deep. So it just felt like it was all going to my chest area, which didn't uh -huh. feel, it just felt like the biggest deep breath. Why, why was that? Okay. The thing is that when we administer the, the cells or any IV, we put it in the, in the venous system. So we have basically arteries, we have veins and we have the blood vessels from the lymphatic tissue. The, where we apply all the intravenous treatments are usually on the venous system. And the, and we have to remember that the venous system is collecting the blood from the tissues and it will be sending them or sending that blood to the lungs so it can get oxygen 
then goes back to the heart and from the heart goes all again to the again to the whole body so the first place where the stem cells will go is going to be your respiratory system that's why when we had patients that had uh, covid and i was I, I had a lot of patients with acute uh, covid disease and i used the stem cells and i was looking at very big difference from one day to the other after the application of the stem cells because they were having an, an acute inflammatory response on the on their lungs i would give them the stem cells they will go to the site where there's inflammation they, they will monitor or suppress the inflammatory response plus they start to regenerate the tissue of the lungs they were able to breathe better and automatically their saturations were improving so that's the main reason why you feel feel the, that kind of um, respiratory or, or, or lung uh, change and then after that, you can start feeling changes in different places. You can have a little bit more clarity while you think. You can have less fogginess. You can have more energy. Certain patients that have kidney disease can start urinating a little bit more. And, and part of what I try to do with my patients is I, is I try to do or check for inflammatory markers and tumor markers. Because I, if, even if a patient comes to me and they want stem cells and if I see something abnormal, I will not apply them. And that's basically for the safety of the patient. And I know in many other places, if the patient's paying for stem cells, they get the stem cells and they don't get those kinds of, uh, of testing. And it can be sometimes a little bit risky. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that uh, from all the lectures that I've been the the uh, certifications that I've had, are we? I always ask the the the, the people that are um, giving us lectures if they recommend to to apply them in patients that had or have cancer. They say no, so that's why I try to regulate with uh, inflammatory markers, tumor markers, if it's required, an image study, and that will give me more assurance that my patient is uh, is the correct one to get the treatment. Yeah, that's something that like was really I think great about my experience of coming down is that like in anything in life, even the greatest things that help us, like mm -hmm. there's still probably, you know, for some people it's not the right fit or it just, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, people with cancer and that's because it can increase the size of a tumor, correct? The stem cells? They can. The literature says that there could be 50% chances of making it larger and 50% chances of uh, inhibiting I've seen a lot of patients with cancer that go certain places and they will get the stem cells. And in, the, in my knowledge, I've only seen one patient that had complications, not mine, in a different place. But uh, I'd rather not apply them for safety because what if they start to multiply, I can uh, give more complications to the patient. So I'd rather uh, be safe. And the other thing that I try to do is nourish the patient before, during, and after the application of the stem cells. Because it's not the same for me just to apply the stem cells to somebody without having the proper nourishment. They will still do the job, but they will work a lot better if they're nourished, if they have the nutrients to do what they have to do. So I can use many things uh, to nourish the body. And then I recommend as well sometimes uh, if the patient's not claustrophobic, they hyperbaric chamber. Because by increasing uh, the oxygen level, we're potentiating the effect of the stem cell to regenerate the tissue faster and better. Yeah, that was like, I think the cherry on the cake of the whole <laughs> <laughs> experience. I, remember. I mean, the only hyperbaric oxygen I had seen are those like single tubes that you lay in. Uh -huh. Um, and yeah. this is like a full on dive, you know, Navy yes. experience. You could fit five or six people in it. Um, exactly. and that really like along with all the nutrients. So just to track back my experience, like mm -hmm. when I went down there, 
Um, I just like, it's such a concierge experience. Like you're such a wonderful, great host and you, Thanks. you know, made obviously me feel super comfortable and you come and pick me up at my hotel and would take me to your office like each day and then take me back. So it was just really easy. Like I didn't have to figure out, you know, how to drive over the border or figure out how to get anywhere. Um, that was all kind of taken care of. You sent someone to pick me up. Um, I live very close to the border. So, so we met around the San Diego airport and then went over the border, which was just a really easy experience very very nice uh, friend of yours who drove me and um and then like it was a lot of nutrients ivs vitamins you know peptides things like that which in and of itself like i mean i don't know about anybody else in my community but i haven't taken like a series of days out for myself to just nourish my body like that. I mean, so irrespective of the stem cells, like I just feel like my body was so loved on and got so much of what it needs, which was so wonderful. And in such a peaceful environment, like your office is just, you know, it's peaceful. It's quiet. It's, you know what I mean? It's perfect. Like Thank there's you. not a ton of people in there. There's not, you know, both people working and people visiting. So it was just a really lovely experience. So aside from like the benefits, which I'm going to talk about my experience of that. Um, and since I've been home, but aside from that, like just taking the time out for yourself and doing something intentional where you're saying, I'm going to take this time away from my regular life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to nourish myself. I'm going to, you know, allow myself to be taken care of. That alone is really life-changing. I mean, I had tons of experiences of just aha moments, you know, you get out of your own environment and, and it's really healthy for like just being with yourself. And, you know, I went there by myself. And so I had just four days of like being able to sleep really well and rest and, and take care of myself. And we went to an amazing Italian restaurant and it was just, it was just a lovely experience all around. And I think that providing that just so that, you know, too, like, all of those other things on top of, you know, the stem cell treatments and the treatments are are part of the trip and part of the experience. Yeah, I try to make it a little bit different. Um, that's why I don't try, I try not to get a lot of patients on the same week when I have uh, programs, maximum probably three patients. And a lot of times when I have three patients, most of them come together uh, because I don't like to so I, I don't I always try to give the best that we can in the quality of attention to the patient. And we try to take them out to dinner or to eat something so that we can change a little bit the, the concept that we have about Baja or Tijuana or Mexico, that we're all full of gangsters and cartels and stuff like that, because a lot <laughs> of people are afraid of coming down here. And once you're here, you can see it's like any other large city in the world. There could be crime like anywhere, but it's basically the area where we are. It's very safe. And and that's why we try to make it easy for our patients. So we try to pick them up at the airport. I help them to make the reservations in the hotel when they ask me to so we make the reservation i pick them up at, at the hotel bring them to the office and then we take them back again to the to the hotel and it's it's just uh like uh something that we like to do and uh, and we get along and most of our patients when they leave we with some of them we, we become friends because we get in contact with them we try to reach them very often to make sure what how they are doing if, if they need something and and now hopefully that the 
patients that keep coming have the same kind of experience. And we're adding new things to the program gradually, but we have we're growing slowly. We've I've just moved here to this office about a year, less than a year and a half ago. So I'm gradually um, progressing. And I think in the probably next year, year and a half, we will have more things to offer and it's gonna be better. Yeah, and while I was there too, like uh, on top of all of the nutrients and the stem cells, we did some PRP. So can you share what that is as well? Yes. Yeah, the PRP is basically the plasma rich with platelets. And one of the reasons why I like to do that is because the, the PRP has growth factors for new blood vessels. So when I'm going, I'm, I'm injecting the PRP, I'm stimulating more blood flow to that area. Plus the stem cells will also get there. Why? Because I'm getting more PRP. So they're signaling that they're going to re regenerate that. The other reason is, uh, or one of the other things that I use in high dosages is vitamin C. Because vitamin C is a precursor of collagen. And collagen is one of the main proteins that we have in, in blood vessels, in the skin, in ligaments, and cartilage. There are different kinds of collagen. But if I have a high dose of the vitamin C plus the PRP plus the stem cells and all the other nourishment, the amino acids, the peptones, everything would be a lot better. I love it. You're so funny. I say, I when I hear the word collagen, I'm like, oh yeah, make my, my face skin better, right? Like, and Dr. <laughs> You're like laughing at me. I'm like, can we just inject more PRP in my face, please? And like, forget about the other parts of my body, huh? You were laughing at me. You're like, I would never do this. No, it's it's a, a lot of patients come for just for the PRP and for other things. And yeah, we will do it. But it's, I don't know, if we are properly nourished and you're properly hydrated. You don't need it. So yeah. You but, are so great. No, I you're a really good injector, by the way, too. Uh, like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, really good. Um, and and I think like like you said, it's it's a holistic approach that uh -huh. is important. It's not just pulling out like, oh, let's just do the stem cells or oh, let's do this. Mm -hmm. It's like I can okay, so let me tell you some of the things that I've experienced since I've been uh -huh. home. Okay. So it's interesting because I came home like one of the day, first days I was home. Well, first, before that, the the day after the stem cells, okay, I woke up that morning and it felt like every bit of possible inflammation in my body had left my body. So <laughs> it was the weirdest sensation. Like I woke up and I felt like my whole body looked different, which uh -huh. is bizarre because I don't really have like super high inflammation markers or anything like uh -huh. that in my uh -huh. blood work. Um, mm -hmm. But it taught me that like, I guess we're all kind of fighting this inflammation thing because I think, you know, when you're alive long enough, you probably got at least some of it. And, yeah. and so when I woke up that next day, I'm very sensitive in my body. Like I feel all the things that happen. Like, mm -hmm. even though I have high pain tolerance threshold, I always feel things in my body. So when I woke up, I just felt like, wow, like my whole, I mean, my, you know, my rings were loose, like things like mm -hmm. that, you know, just felt like it was gone. I went and worked out like every day that I was at the hotel, which was beautiful. I went and worked out and I was working out more and like stronger and, you know, harder but it was easy um uh -huh. for the days that i was there like even just when we were starting the nutrients like i was seeing some you know level of like changing my physical output um and then when i came home like after the hyperbaric oxygen like that felt like it just amplified everything that we had been doing up to that point and then when I got home, like, I think it was like the second day I was home. I don't know. You messaged me, which was so nice. Like, Hey, how are you doing? 
And I, for one day was like, I mean, it felt like I was high as a kite, like on oxygen or something. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh my gosh, should I drive my car? But like, I was, I was laughing because I'm like, I'm not drunk. Like, yes, I can drive my car. Um, but for one whole day, it just felt like this. I don't know. It was, into, it was just funny. It was like, I kept laughing. I'm like, all of this from nutrients and oxygen and stem cells, yeah. like just feeling all this energy. And then after that day, it kind of like got to a point where it's just this nice, like sustained, like happy feeling. It's just, uh-huh. it just feels, and I've, I've found myself like naturally wanting to be more physically active than I had been before. Like, mm-hmm. like today, like sometimes I'm like working out in the morning and then taking a walk in the evening. And I would never do that all in one day, but mm-hmm. I just feel like I have that energy to do that. And um, it feels really natural, but good. Like I find myself also wanting to things I've like struggled with in the past. So like sometimes I struggle to like eat a wide variety of foods and like, you know, I'll stick to like a couple things that I want to eat. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh no, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, let me just, so things I've like felt like stuck in, in my past, like just ways uh-huh. of thinking or things that I do. I just came home and was like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, I'm going to have like a bigger variety of foods and I'm going to, you know, nourish my body in a better way. So like, I can't, I mean, it's funny to, I don't know if all of these things are exactly related to this, but I'm noticing differences in myself beyond just like the inflammation factor and, you know, and the, and the more like obvious things that I guess people would talk about. Yeah. Well, you're, you're very uh, well oriented health-wise so it's going to be a lot easier for you to have that kind of uh, uh or to have those kinds of sensations i've had patients that i will be honest that have had treatments that i i've told them you know why you're wasting your money because you're not following recommendations or you're not going to make any change in the future i've had patients to give you an example i'm not going to say names but with cancer and they would finish their treatment and they would go as soon as they would finish the treatment they would go out of the office to have a cigarette on the on the sidewalk oh. so it's like why are you having your treatments and spending money if you don't really want to help yourself so the, the inflammatory response we all have it um in my instagram or you can check it on the online there's a time magazine um the front page of a time magazine i think was 2003 2004 that says inflammation the silent killer and then on the bottom says cancer alzheimer's and other chronic degenerative diseases and the problem is that we're chronic inflamed but we don't we don't feel it because we get used to it once we shift or we do something different and we start to bring down inflammation we start to feel different it's like the same thing happens with the stress level if i'm always with a certain level of stress and i expose somebody else to my level of stress probably they will feel it and if their stress level for them is high but for me the, the one that i have is higher and we switch I may not probably feel the stress level. So inflammation is like that. If I have inflammation, but it's not extremely high, I will probably not get feel it, or I may even get used to it. And probably it's not high enough so that the laboratories will detect it. So I can have inflammation, but not high enough for the lab to tell me, oh yes, we have an inflammatory response. But once we get the treatment, we will feel the improvement. The other thing is we're bypassing the digestive tract. That's why I like to nourish the body by, with the IVs. 
because when I give um, supplements, they have to be absorbed and then they will go to the bloodstream. By giving you an IV, we're bypassing that and everything goes straight to circulation so the cells will utilize it right away and your energy is going to be better. Plus, we're hydrating you, we're detoxifying your liver, we're improving your kidney function, so everything starts to flow a lot easier and better. Yeah, that's what it is. It just flows a lot easier and better. And what happens with like when people come like two times and three times and four, is there is there a sort of cumulative effect to the stem cells that people start to see over time? Yeah, the more uh, treatments we get, obviously the better the outcome and the less inflammatory response we'll have. And usually I try to use a specific amount of stem cells as a regular program. But if I have patients that have um, more chronic problems like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, or diabetes, kidney insufficiency, or severe arthritis, or even autoimmune, I will probably use higher, very, very high dosages, and the outcome's gonna be better. Some patients will continue with low dosages, but more often, and they still feel good because they're doing that more periodically, so they keep uh, suppressing the inflammatory response. Yeah. And what, like, what can we do, you know, for this, like, let's call it a low level, like inflammation, like someone who's not in a chronic state of inflammation, where if you give them, you know, a blood test, you're just going to say, oh my gosh, these markers are through the roof. Like, uh-huh. what are some of the things, I mean, obviously diet, you know what I mean? Not partaking in smoking and things like this. Yes. Is there other stuff that, that people can be doing to help with this inflammation? Usually, the diet is going to be one of the most important ones. It's diet, uh, supplementation, if they can take enzymes, exercise, and hydration. Those five aspects are very important. The you main mean one, digestive enzymes? Uh, digestive enzymes. And I usually recommend digestive enzymes, if it's possible, 30 minutes before meals. Because when we take them with a meal, they will help us to break down the meal, but they will not help us with inflammation. Imagine this is uh, my gut, and these are the villi where I absorb the nutrients. So if I have an inflammation or inflammatory response on, the, on my gut, imagine that I break one, two, three fingers, they will get swollen. So instead of having all these surfaces to absorb, they're going to be closer. My surface of absorption will be less. So the nutrients, even if I take them, I may not absorb them properly. So if we can combine them with a low glycemic index diet with some digestive enzymes, that will be better. And on the long run, uh, the chronic inflammatory response on the digestive tract will cause us lack of nutrients, which will cause also disease and will cause uh, chronic uh, issues. Ooh, let's talk about that. So if you, so if your gut is inflamed, you're basically not assimilating the nutrients. So like, even if you're taking vitamins and stuff like that, it's not really working. That's why a lot of the times I recommend to give you an example, L-arginine, because it's a precursor of nitric oxide. So it will increase uh, um, dilation of the blood vessels. So we have more blood flow. We can use glutamine. We can use the enzymes. We can use probiotics. And all of that in conjunction will help us a lot to have a better gut and better absorption. And it all, I mean, you know, we've heard this a million times, like it all starts in the gut. Like does the, does the inflammation in all areas of our body really kind of stem from the gut? Yeah. Remember that the respiratory, the skin, the respiratory system and the digestive tract are the ones that are totally exposed to the external environment. So the one that is, I, in my perspective, more exposed is the digestive one because is everything that we drink, everything that we eat will go 
to the esophagus, the stomach, the small intestine, large intestine, the liver, and then into the circulation. So I think that if we have a healthy uh, digestive tract, the absorption of nutrients will be a lot better and the outcome will be less inflammation. Yeah. Very interesting. And yeah, before, sorry, and then probably 20 years ago, we I don't remember reading or having lectures in med school about chronic inflammatory disease of the gut and systemic inflammation. And it's it has been probably in the last 10, 15, 20 years when articles have been coming out with the relationship between the gut and Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or chronic diseases. And those are articles that I used when I did my thesis in biomedical science because I had to see where the inflammatory response was coming from, and mainly everything comes from the gut. Because we're being poisoned. And that's where we get allergies and many other things. Don't get me on my soapbox about this, but we, you know, we're taking in a lot of stuff in our food, in our water, in our yeah. air, and. Yeah. And just, I always tell my uh, patients when they ask me or we talk about certain subjects is, we have two types of environment. The macro environment, which is the outside, we're not gonna be able to control it. But if we can control our micro environment, environment which can be my office, my house, with, I don't know, with certain cleaners that are not uh, toxic. Actually, if I'm gonna clean a surface and the liquid that I'm gonna use smells very good, it's very toxic because you use a lot of other chemicals to make it smell good. So we can use, um, I forgot the name, um, vinegar, white vinegar. It's it's an acid basically, it will kill basically everything and it's safer. We can use ozonators with air filters. We can use ozonators and water filters. So we will make our micro environment as healthy as possible so that we once we're exposed to the micro environment that we're not gonna be able to control we have enough tools to protect ourselves what do you think like for you know some of the things that you were talking about to like heal the inflammation in the gut and things like that like if somebody let's say is working with you and they're like on a protocol with you and you know doing not just coming to see but doing things like when they get home right and following like um certain diets and stuff like that like how long do you see and i know everyone's different but for someone whose gut is not in great shape, like how long would it take to kind of repair something like that or to, you know, to help that, ease that inflammation if you know, if you have the right tools and you're willing to do the things? It depends on many factors because one, we have uh, genetics. Well, first we have the environmental factors and then we have the genetics. If I have the genetic uh, factors and the proper environmental ones that can trigger a gene for me to have disease, it will happen. One of the problems that I think that we have as a society, and I'll, it's the consumption of sugar or refined sugars or corn syrup and things like that. And uh, because in a lot of the things that we eat, we are not re 100% sure that they don't have too much sugar or they don't have corn syrup or other toxins that may uh, cause inflammation. Even if we're uh, buying um, organic foods, we don't. We may be buying an organic product, but we do not know if in the machines where the those products have been processed are clean enough that they're not, they're going to be uh, without any toxicity. So I don't know if you've seen 
uh, crackers or cookies or chocolate that will say, oh, this chocolate was processed in a machine that also processed peanuts because the patients can eat the chocolate and they can develop an allergy. And it's not really the chocolate, it's the little particles of the peanut that were in the machine that the chocolate uh, has. So the same thing can happen. I can buy an organic uh, lettuce, but if that lettuce was processed in a machine where there was also other uh, products that were not organic, I may have some contaminants as well there. Yeah, things like this, like, it. I mean, my family and I talk about all the time because we try to stay really healthy and organic, but even things like I was teaching my son about gums, you know, like that they put like gum fillers that they put in foods and like, it's not great for your digestive tract. And so he was asking me, well, if something's organic, then why does it have gums in it? And I'm like, yeah, lots of organic stuff has various gums in it. Like in, and you don't think about these things. Like you go, oh, it's organic or, oh, it's non-GMO. Like it's going to be fine, but you still have to look at those ingredients. And it's kind of exactly. like sad when I go to the grocery store, because even like in our area, we have, you know, grocery stores like called Mother's Market and Whole Foods. Um, and these are supposed to be healthier alternative grocery stores. Yeah. But like most of the time, if I take, you know, a whole like section and I go through like all the crackers or I go through all of, you know, some type of food, there's like really only one or two where the ingredients are. And still, you don't know if it's like exactly organic or where it's coming from, but like that doesn't have some kind of funky additive to it. And it just (laughs) just makes you go like, where where do we go? And also, like, I mean, I just read this article about this stuff that they created to go over, um, it's called Appeal, and it's to go over, like, fruits and vegetables. And Ah, Uh did you hear about that? Yes, yes. yes. And it can go over organic fruits and vegetables, conventionally raised fruits and vegetables. And it's basically a trans fat that they're covering the fruit or vegetable with to make it stay, you know, good and and not, you know, go rotten fast. And I I say to myself, like, like, where do we go from here as far as being able to, you know, understand what we're putting in our bodies? Because you, it feels like even with all the knowledge I have and being around this industry for so long, you feel like you're like jumping through hoops to just try and figure out what's actually something decent to put in your body. Yeah, it's very hard, and, and and I personally try to grow little things in my house. So you have different kinds of tomatoes and spices and things that I can use when I cook, and uh, because I don't spray them with anything, I'm always fighting with little bugs and stuff like that. But I rather have them organic, and I have my own my uh, special food there. And the other thing is, if if, uh, if you go to the store and you buy, let's say, a bottle of orange juice, it will say with extra vitamin C. And it's a lot of the time they, they're not really adding more vitamin C. The thing is that they have to pasteurize the orange juice to make sure that they're not going to pro- or give any bad bacteria to the clients. So when they expose the, the orange juice to the heat, the vitamin C will get destroyed. So they have to add vitamin C. Now it's a synthetic vitamin C, but it's a way of making an advertisement and, and selling. Well, I have I added more vitamin C and it's not more. It's, the one it had was destroyed. So now we have to add a synthetic one so that we can provide the vitamin C that is required in a, in a, in a daily basis. And and if we go into history of Linus Pauling, who was the one that uh, started all the revolution with um, 
vitamin C. He was taking, if I'm not wrong, between 16 to 18 grams of vitamin C every day. So if I'm able to get that, it's not only the production of collagen that will help me or will enhance my skin, my ligaments, uh, blood vessels, or cartilage. It is also the immune system. So every time that I'm going to travel, I'm going to go into an airplane. I try to take one gram of vitamin C at least one or two hours before the flight. And during the flight, I take the tablets as well, put them in a little bit of water there, effervescent, and uh, and you're enhancing your immunity and you're decreasing the risk of getting an infection by being exposed to other uh, passengers on the flight. Yeah, it's the little things. I mean, I think in this day and age, we can't really not know like we have to inform ourselves you know of these different different modalities different ways of healing our body different ways of helping our body heal and like understanding you know food and ingredients i mean it gets a little bit more insidious and tricky as time goes on i feel like they find ways to like you know twist things around like like Uh the like the natural flavors, you know what I mean? Uh, ingredient that's anything but natural. And so, you know, it's only by getting around people like yourself and, you know, learning about this stuff that we all become armed with the knowledge. And I think nobody else is going to really protect our bodies like we are. And we have to, you know, keep an eye out for it because all of this, like you said about that, that article in time magazine, I mean, all of this is on the rise, right? Like, you know, I would say 40, 50 years ago, like they didn't talk about inflammation or we didn't see all of the diseases we have today. Uh Yeah, and if you want, I can send you the links or the articles that I had on the relation of gut inflammation and, and many diseases because it's very interesting. And like I told you, in med school, we never saw that. And in medical school, we are trained in a certain way to to try to treat a disease, but we 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 lack, I think, of uh, the capability of looking what's the main cause of the disease. In certain situations, we know that can be diet, that can be other things, but not in all of the diseases that we deal with. And but I I've, I've seen in my experience that once we modify our lifestyle, we take uh, supplementation, the hydration, the 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 enzymes, the the supplementation and exercise everything starts to flow a lot better. Why? Because if I take my supplements, but I'm not properly hydrated, I will not have enough fluids to carry those nutrients to the tissues. Plus, if I don't do exercise, my circulatory system will not be the same and may not send as fast all the nutrients that I require to the tissues. Uh, If I don't have enzymes, I... I can have two things. I can have more inflammation or I may have a problem to digest my my nutrients. And if I don't have enough probiotics, I may have an unhealthy bacteria overgrowth in my gut, which will interfere with the absorption of all the nutrients that I'm going to be taking. So it's a vicious cycle. So one thing gets connected to the to the other one. So if we're able to follow that and, and, and we're very conscious about our micro macro environment. I think the outcome should be uh, better health. Yeah. And on the tip of enzymes, because I think, you know, a lot of people know about probiotics and vitamins and stuff like that. But with enzymes, are those breaking down as we get older? Meaning, do we have less and less enzymes available in our body? Yeah, one, one example is lactose. It's uh, That's why when we're, we're intolerant to, to lactose or milk as we age, because we start producing the enzyme. So if I want to take a regular milk, if I take my enzymes, most likely I will not have any symptoms. But if I have, uh, I don't have more of the lactose or the enzyme and I take milk, I will get all the symptoms, diarrhea, bloating and everything. So the more uh, we are aging, we're gonna probably have less production of certain enzymes, not all of them, 
and it will help us. Uh, it will it will help. It will get us to create more inflammatory responses systemically. So if I get the enzymes from the outside and I have the the alutamine, the L-arginine, the probiotics, I will have a healthier gut, and everything should be a lot better. And there's other types, like other than digestive enzymes, there's protolytic enzymes. Like, what are the different types of enzymes? That we Usually, enzymes are proteins. So the, according to the kind of amino acids that they're going to have and the amount of amino acids are going to be called different. But a proteolytic enzyme means it's a, it's an enzyme that will break a protein. So it can be considered as well like a digestive enzyme because digestive enzymes will also help us break down proteins from foods that we eat so we can absorb them a lot easier. So great. Well, this has been very, very informative. I I love learning. I mean, I asked you all these questions when I went down there. I asked you questions before I went. And then while I was there, I was like, let me learn a little bit more. I'm always fascinated. Like I'm a hundred questions. Um, uh-huh. And I know that like from all of you guys listening who've reached out to me, you know, just asking like, where is a good place to go? You know, who do I connect with? All the questions, same questions that I had. I mean, it's, it's uh-huh. it makes me smile because I feel like we probably have like some of the, you know, similar questions. Um, I, you know, I just found this experience to be great. And thank you to you, Dr. Garcia, for you know, being so welcoming and, and inviting me down and taking good care of me and checking on me and stuff like that. So it was just all around a positive experience. And um, over the next couple months, I'll continue to share with you guys like what I feel in my body and what I'm experiencing as I move through this. Cause I know some of you guys were asking, um, you know, what it was like a week after I was home and, you know, two weeks after I was home and what I felt when I was there and all of that kind of stuff. So, so while I'm curious and I track the journey, I'll take everybody else, you know, on that journey, um, with us, which will be fun as well. So thank you, my friend. I'm, it's been so fun. It's been great to see you again too. Um, Yes, and thank you for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. Any question, please feel free. You have my phone number. All my patients uh, can reach me directly. I don't like to have people uh, answering for me. So any question, please feel free to contact me right away. Okay. Yes, and give them your um, your IG handle because they can, um, all of your website information is on your Instagram. So where can they find uh-huh. you on Instagram? Actually, uh, it's Wellbeing Therapy Clinic. If you want I could probably send you the, the 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 link and my cell phone number they have to dial plus five two six six four three six eight five two or three the best way to reach me it's probably if they send me a whatsapp message because sometimes if i'm with patients i may not be able to answer and once i get the message i will reply to them right away okay. yep. and that was yeah, and that was that was so great is to be able to have the direct connection to you to, you know, you answered all my questions and to be able to reach uh-huh. out. So we were connected on WhatsApp and you guys uh-huh. can also connect through um, Instagram as well and follow exactly. their page. Yeah, and, and also any question that, they, that my patients have, even if it's not related to what they're having, they all feel free to um, um, text me. And I most of the times I will answer any time of the day, even if it's Sunday, holiday. Uh, something that uh, Vididiana and I, Vididiana is a nurse that helps me here for, she has been helping me for several years. It's uh, if our patients are coming from a long distance, we don't care if it's a Saturday, Sunday, holiday, we have to be with our patients. So in certain cases, even if it's a Sunday, we will work, we will provide them the treatments so that they can have everything on time. Okay. 
Amazing. You guys are both incredible. It was so fun being there. And thank you for hanging out with us and sharing more about stem cells. Thank you. It's a pleasure. We'll stay in touch. Okay. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm-hmm.